Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Self-Control Through Torah. I'm David Gottlieb, a historian of Judaism and the director of Jewish studies at the Spertus Institute for Jewish Learning and Leadership in Chicago. Okay, and I'm Modia Silva. I'm a psychotherapist in Toronto. And can you, I, I just realized I want to know more about Spertus. Oh, how nice of you to ask. Sure. I want to know more about the therapy work that you do. Okay. Okay. You want to go first or you want me to go first? Uh, I'll just say that Spurtis is uh, celebrating its 100th anniversary this year. It's a venerable Chicago-based institution of higher learning featuring uh, programs in Jewish professional studies for Jewish communal professionals and in Jewish studies for adult learners who simply love Jewish learning and want to continue to write, teach, and grow in their Jewish knowledge. Um, Spurtis is based in Chicago, but has students all over the world, has been doing distance learning for more than 20 years, and um, is a dynamic, diverse institution that is devoted to the idea of applied Jewish learning, meaning hmm. that Jewish learning is meant to be applied to the challenges and demands of everyday life. And that's why I'm happy to have been associated with it. Oh, that's great. I know someone from Toronto who signed up for Spurtus. So a, a rabbi here. Uh -huh. so I guess it's anyone and anyone who's really got a passion for continuous, continual learning. Correct. And our, our programs are graduate programs. So it, uh, they're degree programs, too, so they require a certain amount of commitment, but our students certainly evidence that commitment. And anybody who's got a love of learning and wants it to end in a degree should look us up at spurtus.edu. Oh, great. Good. Good plug. <laughs> no, thanks. That's uh, it, It's nice to know. It's nice to know that there's so much opportunity out there, right? That Absolutely. you want to go learn. It's like, oh, where do I go? There's so many, op there's so many options. And I think that's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. And you what about your therapy work? Yeah. Um, so my therapy work is, I'm really a trauma therapist, which means that I, in addition to having a platform of some traditional therapies like Gestalt, which may or may not be considered traditional. Um, I also am a somatic experiencing practitioner, which means that I have completed Peter Levine's three-year training program in trauma therapy, which helps people tap into their nervous system, specifically their autonomic nervous system, and find a way to come back into a state of self-regulation following a trauma. And the truth is that I actually stopped using the word trauma a long time ago because everybody's using it. So I thought I better stop. And because then I like one, once I realized everyone was using it, I'd say, well, there's capital T trauma and then there's lowercase T trauma. And then it was like, no, it's just, 
It's just when you have a situation, whether it's a single event or an ongoing situation, usually through childhood, where your nervous system gets overwhelmed. So I'm actually an overwhelm therapist more than a trauma therapist, which just well, means the, the Jewish world needs you worse than ever. I mean, I'm sure your clients yeah. aren't only Jewish, but this is a time of tremendous individual and collective trauma. It Are is. Are you seeing a lot of it? I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of it in myself, in my family, and yes, out in the community. The, um, the UJA in Toronto, the United Jewish Appeal, which is like Jewish Federation in mm -hmm. Toronto, um, put out a call after October 7th for Jewish therapists to sign up to offer free counseling or free therapy to anyone in the Jewish community or anyone in the community, really. Um, I signed up and then I found out a week later, 200 therapists had signed up. Wow. And uh, the need is definitely there and it's ongoing. Yeah. I still get, I still get calls to see if I am available for, you know, some free therapy. And the answer, yeah. is yes. the answer is yes, this isn't going away soon. And how do people find you? Um, well, in that in that case, they're actually contacting UJA. They're actually contacting Jewish Federation. And then Federation. I'm, asking how, I'm asking how our listeners could find you. Oh, listeners. Well, um, there is a great website called Psychology Today, which, uh, which many, many, many therapists uh, list on. So they can go to Psychology Today, look for Modia Silver, M-O-D-Y-A. That's a nice plug. Thank you. You're uh, very welcome. And uh, I, I'm actually only registered to do therapy in the province of Ontario in Canada. However, I can do somatic experiencing this overwhelm therapy anywhere in the world. It would be distance. It would be on Zoom. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, uh, let's apply some of your therapeutic expertise to today's Torah portion, Vayishlach. And for uh, listeners who haven't joined us before or who may not yet be familiar with exactly what we're doing on this podcast, uh, we are using the Jewish ethical self-improvement discipline of Musar as a lens uh, to study the weekly Torah portion. And we do it also using Rabbi Menachem Mendel Leffen's Cheshbon Hanefesh, a pioneering work of Musar, to give us the program of which midah or character trait we should use to study the Torah portion. We stick with one midah for four weeks in a row, and we use that as the lens to study the Torah portion. This week's Torah portion is Vayishlach in the book of Genesis, and the midah that we're on is the midah of patience. So we're turning two dials at once. We're turning the dial of the Torah portion, and we're turning the dial of the midot or the character traits. And sometimes the matchup is really wonderful and fortuitous, and sometimes it's, it's going to be hard to know exactly how the midah and the Torah portion enter into conversation with one another. So Modya, I want to start by asking you for your insights on this Torah portion uh, regarding the Midah of Patience. And I just want to preface the question by saying we are recording this at the end of November in 2023. The community is still reeling from the horrific attacks in Israel of October 7th and the aftermath of the war and uh, the large-scale death and destruction, both in Israel and in Gaza, 
and it's hard to know sort of where to begin every week, but especially now. So please, if you would tell me what you learned under the circumstances in which we find ourselves about this Torah portion and what it's teaching you about the trait of patience. Okay. You just, um, I like the curveball. I'm going to have to think about what it means in the context of the current situation that we're all living in. But what I actually thought this Pasha was about from a, from a Musa point of view and from a patient's point of view is about how to fight our, how to fight our internal desires, our urges and how to resist external temptations. And so I thought it would be good to start with a, a line from the Talmud, from Masechet Hulin, 89a, that says, I'll read it in Hebrew and English, Amar Rabbi Ila'a, Ein ha'olam mitkayem ele bishvil mi et atzmo bishat meriva. So Rabbi Ila'a said that the world exists only on account of one who muzzles themselves or who doesn't react at a time of provocation. And I saw that line from the Gemara, from the Talmud, and I thought that's what this Pasha is really all about. And I think as we unpack this over the next little while, I'd like us to look at it in the context of the wrestling that Jacob does with the angel and then the rape of Dina and how her family reacts. Those are like the two parts of the Pasha that sort of jumped out to me in terms of, oh, that might be interesting to explore in terms of patience. I love that. And I would love to do that. Um, I will just uh, interject the thing that jumped out to me, which uh, there are two. One is that uh, the Parsha begins uh, in chapter 32, verse 4, with the words, Vayishlach Yaakov Melachim Lefanav, El Esav. Jacob sent messengers ahead to his brother Esav. Uh, and of course, the word for messenger and the word for angel uh, is extremely similar in Hebrew. And, right. and uh, Ambereshit Rabbah, the, the Midrash, says that they were actual angels. That's right. So we see here uh, the notion that uh, Jacob is um, exercising a kind of judgment and discernment that already his sort of capacity for manipulating situations is moving in a peacemaking, not a confrontation-making direction. And I think the other thing that leaps out to me is in his wrestling with the angel, the name change that he undergoes, uh, it, it takes a certain kind of uh, endurance which is a form of patience to survive the encounters that he survives in this portion. And as a result, he gets a new name. A new name is a form of new identity, but he continues to be referred to hereafter by both names, both Yaakov and Israel. In other words, when we are transformed by an encounter with the darker aspects of our nature, we are transformed, but we continue to be who we are. 
And the work of Musar itself requires towering patience. And Jacob becomes, he seems to become a kind of different person. Not only is he marked by a, a lasting injury, but he seems uh, less prone to deceit and dissatisfaction in his life. He develops a kind of patience as a result of a confrontation with this dark figure, which is in a way the process of becoming an integrated human being, a process that never ends, a process that requires patience. Yeah, I, I agree. And I love what you just said, because it makes me think that I have clients who come in and they've had very, very troubled childhoods. And um, and someone might come in and say, I just want to erase everything from zero to 10. Or, or, or I had a client come in who was 30 years old and said, I want to erase zero to 30 and start my life again. And I think the what you're saying in terms of Savlan Nut in patience and bearing the burden is that you can't do that. We have to be both Yaakov and Yisrael. You have to know that the Yaakov part or the first part of your life that you wish to get rid of is actually something to stand on top of and integrate into the new you. Yes, I think that's And, and that requires patience. That requires, as we've said in the previous episodes, Savla Nut is bearing the burden so it's not discarding the burden, but it's actually bearing the burden and then integrating it into who you are. Right. And uh, I think that is already borne out in the text in chapter 32, verse 8, which I'll read in English. Um, the rabbis have a lot of commentary about this when uh, the messengers return to Jacob. This is actually verse 7. The messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esav. He himself is coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. Verse eight says, Jacob was greatly frightened. And in his anxiety, he divided the people with him. Now, that's a, a slightly poetic, I think, translation. The text really said he was anxious and frightened uh, or anxious and distressed or frightened. And the rabbis, in other words, there's a doubling of language here. And the rabbis ask, why is this necessary? And uh, this is also in Genesis Rabbah, the, the book of rabbinic midrash on the book of Genesis. And the rabbis say he was frightened lest he be killed mm -hmm. and distressed lest he would have to kill. And uh, so what does this have to do with patience to me? Uh, the as I've mentioned in previous episodes, uh, a whole layer of Torah is psychological and 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 has messages of personal and ethical self development, and we go through life uh, afraid that we will be hurt and afraid also about hurting others, and we know there are circumstances in which w being hurt is inevitable. And hurting others is also unfortunate, but sometimes inevitable and possibly even necessary. We find ourselves in one of those times right now. But the, but the battle of finding the balance and living with the anxiety and the distress requires patience, right? Because it's endless. Yeah, I think, uh, yes, I think it does require patience. And maybe that's why the emphasis is there, the, the repetition of 
I mean, it's a shift of words, but essentially yeah. the same message twice. Yeah. I also think that it's about who you hang out with, that you're influenced by your surroundings. And so maybe what this is saying in in, in Bereshit Rabbah is, oh, Jacob looks out and goes, oh my gosh, maybe I'm going to get killed. And then it's like, oh, but if I hang around this person who doesn't mind killing people, maybe I'll slowly shift into, oh, it's okay to go kill people. And then I'll become a murderer as well. Wow. Wow. And then, and so it requires patience given, you know, it's interesting. I was out with my wife walking a few days ago and in our, it, well, in my society, in the general public, gossip is a big thing. Everyone gossips, right? And so it takes a lot of effort to not do that. If you want to follow the laws of Lashon Hara, of not speaking badly, then you can't hang out so much with all these people who do, because you'll just get swayed. So we were joking. She was like, you know, there's something I've really wanted to tell you for a few days, and but I'm not going to speak Lashon Hara. I'm not going to say it. And I was like, okay, okay. But maybe just a name, just give me the name. (laughs) (laughs) Or, or this rabbi at the shul that we used to go to, just used to say, you know, you're not allowed to repeat Lashon Hara. So I'm only going to tell you this once. (laughs) I like that. I like that a lot. But Uh, I think it is, it's about the environment. And are you going to submit to the temptations of the environment? And maybe yes. that that pasuk that um or that or that that uh, that sentence that you just read, maybe yes. that's one of the teachings that comes out of it. So I want to I want to I I've been resisting because I feel like I should have waited longer, but I can't resist now that you brought this up to ask you about the rape of Dina, which also occurs in this portion because, oh. um, because I tend to see Jacob's sons as reflections of the midot of a person. Mm-hmm. And in fact, his final blessings to his sons reflect in an almost prophetic quality, their different uh, characteristics, their different traits, good or bad. And they are all emanations of him in a way. So part of what we're seeing is the full expression and unfolding of Jacob's character through the actions of his sons, but the actions of his sons with respect to what happens to Dina are profoundly troubling. And even though they are troubling, uh, I, they act, the sons act in response to the rape of Dina with a kind of military patience. They don't react right away. Uh, they retreat, they they take each other's counsel. They decide to uh, to do to engage in a deception of their own that takes some time and some planning, and then they enact it ruthlessly. And so, one of my reactions to this story is that patience has a downside. Patience can not only verge into passivity and helplessness on the one side. But it can also build our resolve to act in ways that are not in our long-term interests. That is that is the two-sided, the double-edged lesson that I take from the rape of Dina. And I want to know how you see it. I I, I I see it the same way as well. It's very I agree. It's easy to 
it's easy to ultimately think that savlanut, that patience means indifference. It means a pulling back and just taking things as they are. And um, but we, but as you say, like we know that that means ultimately you'll become a doormat. And not only that, but you won't step up to your responsibility in society. Yes. And so I got a little nervous when I was reading chapter 34, verse 5. So it says, now Jacob heard that he had defiled Dina, his daughter. So um, Shechem had, Shechem, the son of Hamor, who was a, a Chivite, had defiled Dina, his daughter, and in chapter five, uh, sorry, verse five, it says, and his sons were with his with the cattle in the field. And Jacob was silent until they came. And I got that far. I mean, I've, you know, we read this every year, so it's not right. <laughs> it's not like it's a big surprise, right? But but I was reading the Persia and it's like, oh my gosh, he's silent. What is he gonna do? Like step away from his responsibility. And then it goes on, obviously, and there's there's a resolution. But there's an interesting line from Mishle, from Proverbs, that uh, King David, uh, sorry, King Shlomo says in chapter 10, verse 12, that love covers all offenses. And I think what was happening to give Jacob the benefit of the doubt was that he was silent so he could step back assess the situation, and then move forward from a place of love, not from a place of fear. And that's what I think is the requirement for patience. Is or, or That's why I think we need to be patient, so that we can, patience is an opportunity to slow down, step back, and then just say, anything I do has to be from a place of love, not from fear. This is a really interesting and difficult lesson right now, especially. Um, there are times when uh, even when even when patience might require a kind of time, but time is of the essence. And so uh, uh, it's interesting that in verse 9, 18 and 19, so the 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 sons, Jacob's sons say uh, back in verse 13, uh, we can't, Starting in verse thirteen, we we cannot do this thing, meaning marrying Dina to Shechem, uh, to our. We cannot give do this thing to give our sister to a man who is circumcised, for that is a disgrace. Who is uncircumcised, for that is a disgrace among us. Only on this condition will we agree with you, that you will become like us, in that every male among you is circumcised. Then we will give our daughters to you and take your daughters to ourselves, and we will dwell among you and become as one kindred. But if you will not listen to us and become circumcised, we will take our daughter and go. Verse 18, their words pleased Hamor and Hamor's son Shechem, and the youth lost no time in doing the thing, for he wanted Jacob's daughter. So the 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 lesson here that I take um, uh, from patience is that sometimes if we lose no time in doing a thing, uh, if we rush to do something, even if the thing is posed to us or seems to us as something that is wise and fit in the moment, 
there is no time to do the Musar thing of putting a space between the match and the fuse, which doesn't only mean refraining from exercising your temper or acting hastily or speaking harshly or instinctively. It also means just taking a moment to deliberate, giving witness consciousness the time to operate. Uh, it's hard to take a positive lesson from what uh, Shechem does and from what Jacob's sons do, but there is there is a lack of deliberation in what is in what is done, mm -hmm. and even though patience, in terms of steady planning, is done, there is a lack of deliberation, a lack of witness consciousness, a lack of stepping back and saying, "What will the consequences of my actions be?" Maybe. Maybe, or I want to maybe pitch a different idea, which is that, you know, you and I have learned together for almost 20 years, and um, we learn we learn Torah. Boy, that's and required a lot of patience of me, I want to <laughs> Just kidding. I'm still trying to develop patience to be with you. <laughs> I'm just kidding, too. Um, so, we, so we learn a lot of Torah, I think because we want it to become second nature to us. Yes. You want to see that we live in the divine world, not in our ego world. And so I think about, oh, there's a little kid who's just about to step into the street, into heavy traffic. I don't stop and think about what's the right thing to do. I just grab that kid and pull them back. Now that might be built into my DNA for survival. But I think that's what learning Torah is about as well. It's like we're trying to build it into our DNA so that we can, at times, at the appropriate times, act quickly, act without stopping and saying, no, patience means slowing it down and taking the time. I uh, I think we learned, you know, we have a common Musa teacher, Alan Marinus, right? And we learned that sometimes you use your meter and sometimes you don't use your meter like it's it's on a continuum and you have to use your wisdom to know when the right time is to use that particular meter discernment so so is it your view that that is the mistake that Jacob's sons make what's the mistake not using discernment oh you mean the fact that they killed everybody yeah or was that oh, the right thing to do oh or was that the right thing to do Right, which also makes me think about Pinchas that we'll get to like yes, right. right. He also right. did not deliberate, just acted. That's right. right. And every single rabbi says that was a great thing that he did. That's right. Right. He's lionized for that. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I wonder you said you were talking about how Jacob is a a mix or an amalgamation of twelve character traits of his of the twelve sons, and maybe thirteen, including Dina. That's right. That's right. And and yet it's Shimon and Levi who go and do this act. And we know when Shimon was born last Pasha, two Pashas ago, whenever he was born, um, that he was born because Shema, that that his name comes from to hear. And so there's a quality of of not just listening, but knowing deeply inside so that you can act whether it's act quickly or act slowly. So there's something about it. It, it appears in the Parsha that everything's done so quickly, but it could be that they actually sat and deliberated in Jacob's tent, that he told them the story, what had happened, and they actually didn't rush out that second 
and go commit this act. Wow. I I am uh I am looking in uh uh Ginsburg's Legends of the Jew, but Legends of the Jews because they had a a very interesting take on the name of Shimon, which is different from the take that you gave, which is uh that it has to do with avon or sin hmm. that the very name uh suggests that sham avon sin is uh-huh. resident there uh so the the double aspect of every person is evident even in the name the same way yaakov uh, can mean either referring to the fact that he held on to Asab's heel as he was born, or that he was akav, crooked, something that his brother Asab accused him of, that he never took the straight path, that he was, that he was devious. Now, w- what this has to do in my mind with the question, uh, again, coming back to the question of patience, is uh, how we act, and I think this is especially timely right now, how we do both things that you, Moja, have just talked about. One is acting with deliberation and patience, and the other is grabbing the kid who's running into the busy street. I mean, this is the the dual challenge of being a Jew in the modern world, which is hanging on to both Athens and Jerusalem, living with both the intellect and the instinct, being both a, a a full flesh and blood human being, but also being part of the people who dwells alone. How do you know with respect to patience? How do you know, Moja, that you're doing the right thing? Man, I I I don't know. I <laughs> I know you want an answer because you asked me the question, but but I don't know. I, I want to pick up on this aspect of love that um that patience is necessary so that you can then act from a place of love. And there's a story that I came across related to this that I'll just read, I'll summarize, that Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, so very big name rabbi, right? Yeah, right. Related one Shabbos that a young son of Rabbi Baruch Ber Lebovitz of Kamenetz, also big name, picked up something muksa. So he picked up something on Shabbat that you aren't allowed to touch on Shabbat. And and Reb Baruch Bear called this kid over, the young son, and said, my child, you should live and be well, meaning I love you to bits. But you moved Muxa, and es kumt dir apach, you deserve a slap. And then he slapped the kid. <laughs> and the teaching is that it was a display of love and concern that he shouldn't break this myth, this um this prohibition on Shabbat. He slapped him. I'm like, I don't know. Is that really a lesson about patience and love? It's like I I don't know how to sort of formulate, like create a single formula for this to say this is how we all should do this every single time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is um it is uh a great act of love to correct someone, but perhaps the patient is incumbent on the person being corrected. Uh, it's no fun to get slapped for something that you did, especially if you did it innocently, as we presume the kid in this anecdote 
did it. But uh, the patience comes uh, after the blows, after the correction, and comes on the part of the person who acted in a way that put things out of order. And of yes. course, halakha is really about order and remembering sacred order. And part of the uh, message of Vaishlach is that uh, Jacob often uh, creates disorder or permits or facilitates the creation of disorder out of his desire to create order. He's the most complex, I believe, of the patriarchs and the one who has uh, bequeathed to us uh, the desire to not be taken advantage of, to not be uh, brutalized, to not be exploited. Uh, and sometimes that requires endurance and patience just to execute. Yeah, I think so. And and I think we get that at the very, very end of the Pasha, because there's so much turmoil in this Pasha. There's the turmoil of Jacob going back to his his twin brother. And then there's the turmoil of the rape of Dina. And at the very end, Yitzhak dies. And so I was thinking, it's like, okay, so Avraham represents chesed, represents kindness. And Yitzhak represents gavura, restraint or strength. And now they both have to die to give way to the um, to the integration of those two, which is Yaakov, who is Tiferet, which usually gets translated as splendor, but in, we know in Chesidut is balance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now we've got Yaakov and Yisrael, the two names, and that is going to be his going forward position is like, how does he maintain balance? How do we maintain balance? How do we know when to grab the kid and pull them off the street? Or how right. do we know when to slap a, ch a child for touching something on Shabbat that they shouldn't? Or, you know. Right. I, I, I want to come back and say that I think it's all about love again. It's like, am I going to do this from a place of love? That after the wrestling of the, of the angel that Jacob has, and Jacob seems to win, even though, you know, he, what, whatever, gets injured in the hollow of his thigh. Um, the angel says, I won't let you go unless you bless me. So this angel knows that he's lost the battle, but he still wants to sit in a place of love, a place of blessing. And it then says that Yaakov named the place Peniel face-to-face. Mm -hmm. So they have to come face to face. You've got to, you've got to love your neighbor, meaning get face to face with them, share a and cup, it, of, share a cup of tea with them. Yes, and I think it also means, and in a personal development perspective, this requires a great deal of patience. I think it also means you have to come face to face with the darker aspects of yourself, mm -hmm. uh, and don't let them go until they bless you. In other words. Mm -hmm fully integrate the strength that they can give you, right? The world doesn't exist without the Yetzir Hara, and yet it has to be severely constrained and carefully managed. And uh, uh, the embrace is between the, in the wrestling match is not an embrace of love, but it ends with an act of love, which is a blessing. Right. Yes. I love that. It makes me think of, um, Maybe we've talked about this before. The altar of Slobodka talks about the Yitzhahara, talks about 
how you shouldn't just cast it out because it's actually on your side. And that the role of the Yitzhahara, according to the altar of Slobodka, is it keeps, it watches you run a race, the race of life, and it keeps throwing stumbling blocks in front of you. But as soon as it's thrown a block in front of you, it starts cheering you from the sidelines going, come on, get over that block, I because I know that's the way to growth. But I want you to get over it. Are and you telling me that my PhD program was run by the Yetzer Hara? Oh because that's all it was. It was ten. It was eight years of stumbling blocks followed by cheers. Right. Totally. It was just you and the Yetzer Hara in a room together for eight years. Why didn't you tell me this ten years ago? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. It's my uh, it's my fault. It's okay. With regard to you, Moda, Moja, I have infinite savlanut. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I just thought of something, which just kind of blows me away now. So the angel says, I won't let you go unless you bless me. And the connection, I just realized the connection that, that Jacob is about to go meet his brother. And he knows he has to be smart about it because his brother could kill it, come and kill him with 400 troops, right? And so he does three things. He sends gifts, and then he splits his camp in two as a protective measure. And then after doing that, he prays. So he goes to blessing at the last wow. at the last moment. And so it's like, so long as I can live in a world of blessing, everything's going to be okay. I think that is a wonderful note to end on. A sorely needed message for today and beautifully put. So I want to thank you. For leading us back to love, which, which, uh, without which patience can scarcely exist. Yeah. Thank so you. So thank you again for joining us for another episode of Self Control Through Torah. Today we've been talking about Parshat Vayishlach in the Book of Genesis, with uh, using the lens of the Midah, the character trait of patience. Uh, we'll be doing this every week, we hope, making our way through uh, all the portions of the Torah from beginning to end, and the dials of both which Midah we're considering and which Torah portion we're considering will continue to turn. Thank you again for joining us. I'm David Gottlieb. And I'm Modia Silva, and we'll see you next week when we start a new Midah, a new character trait. We're moving on to the character trait of Seder, of order. So we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Bye-bye.